again, welcome to Creekside Church, and uh, glad to have you here with us. Um, every quarter, we take a special offering for missions, and that's something we're trying to promote more and create a more interest and awareness of this year in our involvement and engagement with missions. And one way we do that is taking this quarterly offering. Um, other ways we do that. Uh, on the next slide here, it shows a, a picture of the globe, and here we are. You know, we feel kind of small in this great world with all of the things happening, but. You know, we, we uh, through our offering, we take and send out to different missionaries we support. And uh, one thing we want to start doing is uh, having an involvement in a current world event or disaster or relief effort or missions project uh, each quarter as well. So um, on the next slide here, we've got four missionaries we support regularly, although one of those is changing. Um, so let's keep going here. Um, so this is a newer couple to our missions offering. Dana and Georgiana Aikens, and they've been here several times to our church, as you know, through their band called The Ineloquent, and now they're serving as missionaries in Romania, uh, involved in preaching, and, and especially have a heart for discipling young adults and youth leaders and young married couples, and uh, spreading the gospel and the message of Jesus through their music ministry, and uh, also visiting orphans and widows. That was kind of a neat when they were here last with us this last year and talking about that. Um, next missionary is Mike and Amy Tuttle, who have also been here several times, and were here on a Wednesday night this last year. As you know, he has such a passion for the gospel. I just uh, encourage you, if you haven't gotten on their blog, to get on their blog. It was on the Creekside Facebook page, I believe. But uh, he was just on a trip through the jungle on the rivers. He, he ministers to 30 different villages along this Hualaga River. And uh, they, he has to walk through the river with a pole to scare away the stingrays, and they eat all kinds of interesting stuff. But more than all of those uh, interesting jungle things is that he preaches his heart out for hours and hours at a time and discipling the believers along this river there. So it's a great work. Um, next one here, Bob and Sue Cohen. We may have an opportunity in June here on a Wednesday evening to have Bob and Sue here. They're in the Midwest right now, and it's been about five years since they were here with us last, but... They're busy in Uganda, and they, they do church planning and training. Um, they have several thousand people in their Bible correspondence courses there in Uganda. Uh, it's a great ministry. Next one here. My sister Lois uh, Klein, now Richard, uh, was married last May here in the church and immediately went to Ireland with her husband, who was already serving there as a missionary, Lucas. And uh, they've refocused back to Louisiana now. Uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier this year, the Ireland denied his uh, visa renewal, and so he had to leave the country. Um, so it was really kind of God closing the door on the ministry there, and they're thinking and praying about their future. Right now they're in his home state of Louisiana um, and involved in ministries down there, as you would expect in the local church. So he's still getting to do what he loves, which is preaching and one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and you know, they're newly married too, so that's good that they just have a little bit less responsibility now and, and time together. So uh, we pray for them. Um, so in light of that, we're, we're not going to include them in this quarterly offering, although we've been still supporting them monthly for the time being. Uh, so a project we can be involved with. Uh, we feel kind of small when we hear about world events like this, you know, Nepal, an earthquake that has now claimed the lives of 8,000 people. Uh, April 25th, there was a 7.8 mega earthquake there near Mount Everest. The following day, an afterquake, um, about 6.8, I think it was, creating more avalanches off Mount Everest. So 8,000 people have died so far, 16,000 injured, and it has affected the lives of 8 million people because of the deaths in the families. They, can't live, they don't trust living in their homes because of the aftershocks and the damage to them. Um, so um, you can see some before and after pictures here, and there's another slide 
Let's advance one more. Okay, so where's Nepal? Good question, it's right between China and India. So there's your global trivia for the day. Uh, next. Okay, so there's, uh, I contacted Bright Hope International and we've had a relationship with the Dyers, Craig Dyer, with Bright Hope International for many years. And uh, I asked them if they were doing anything in Nepal. Um, no, they're not, but he highly recommended World Relief and Samaritan's Purse as organizations who are highly mobilized and able to get in there immediately and effectively uh, help these people with food, water, and shelter, and their sanitary needs. And just um, Samaritan's Purse in particular also has a medical team that's on site there helping the people in very practical ways, but also with a focus on sharing Jesus with them and the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people who really need help right now. So we can contribute to this offering next week for this. Um, also be in prayer for it. You know, God uh, hears our prayers, and we take comfort in that. He is a sovereign God, and when things in this world seem out of control and chaotic, uh, we can trust and know that God is a sovereign God working out his purposes in the world, and we should pray to that end. When things like this happen, we should go to our knees in prayer and support financially the organizations who can help them on the ground. Um, and the Lord may come soon, so we should pray that souls would be saved. All right, I'm just going to pray for this offering, and then I think we have a special program from the kids. So, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity uh, to, in a small way, it feels like, here in our, in our church here in Urbandale, Iowa, to support your work around the world. But we know that, Lord, um, when, we're, when we're giving faithfully of our, our, of our money and of our prayers and, and even going into different missions works, uh, like those going to Haiti later this year, we know, Lord, that you will bless those efforts and you will accomplish your work around the world. And we thank you that we can be a part of that. And Lord, you are coming and coming soon. And so may that motivate us, encourage us all the more to do what we can to be a part of your kingdom work in this world. And uh, we just pray your blessing on our offering this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids.
That's awesome. Give them another hand. You guys did a great job. All right. All of you kids over there, look at me. Okay, you see this bucket right in front of me? I want you to come up here and grab a flower from this bucket, and you guys are going to go from there, okay, and grab a flower from that bucket and go straight to your mom and give it to her and give her the biggest hug you've ever given her. And uh, I want everyone else, I want the moms to stay seated, all right? I want everybody else to stand up. And while these flowers are being distributed, I just want you to give a round of applause for all the moms in the room. So go ahead, you kids, go to the flowers, go get a flower. Go ahead. And then for, for all the moms with grown children, right, there'll be more flowers up here. And so you'll get a hug uh, from somebody after this with a flower for Mother's Day. Good job, kids. Great job. All right, everybody else can go ahead and have a seat. You can tell which kid up here was the worship leader's son, huh? All right. Yep. That's awesome. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. I had a... I showed up uh, home from work, it was either this last week or the week before, and one of my neighbor kids was at my house, and um, I get out of my car, and he's just like right there, boom, and he says, hey, what's your job? I said, I'm a pastor, what's your real job? <laughs> so I told him some stuff of what I did, but then he asked me, he said, what does Heather do? I said, oh, she stays at home with the kids. He goes, man. I'm going to do that someday. That would be, he said, that would be so easy. I, so I said, do me a favor. Don't ever say that in front of your mom or Heather because she'll never let you come to our house again. Um, I said, dude, every mom, whether they're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, every single mom on this block has a harder job than every working man on this block, right? So with that, let's give our moms a round of applause again. And I... Uh, it worked out well this week that I have both of my moms here. She's not sitting here, but my, other, my second mom. But I have my other mom, my first mom, my birth mom here, so I'm glad that she's here for Mother's Day. I also wanted to say, um, yesterday, Jill and Dickie now write, Jill and Dickie Wright's uh, wedding was here yesterday, and if you don't know them yet, they're not here this morning, I don't think, but, but uh, look them up in the... In the, bowl, in the uh, that directory thing that you have, um, and find out who they are, because um, they just wanted to say a huge thank you, especially to Bob and Debbie, for soliciting that group gift that you all gave them. Um, this church gave them over $500, and it was just an amazing thing. But here's the, here's the cool part. We went out to lunch with them after church last week, and they were just beside themselves with how awesome that gift was, and this was Dickie's uh, response. He was like, we just showed up at church one day, all of a sudden, a year later, we get a check for our wedding. I mean, so that was huge. So you guys, that's commendable to you um, because I love that you're a generous church. I just want to start off by uh, laughing a little bit, okay? So here's a few things that women say in their translations, okay? Of course, recognizing that I'm a man, right? So... I did my best. When a woman says, don't worry, I'm fine, here's the translation. I'm not fine. I would like you to ask me what's wrong. Insist wholeheartedly that we discuss it while you hold my hand, look me in the eye, and give me your undivided attention. Right? When a woman says, what should we do tonight? Here's what she means. 
I have an idea, but I want you to lead me and come up with a decision. But I hope it's the same decision as what's in my head, because if it's not, it's not a good idea. Right? When a woman says, don't worry, I'll take care of it, kind of, this is kind of the moment that you're in turmoil, you're in a little fight here, don't worry, I'll take care of it. What she really means is, I really wish you would take care of it without me having to ask. And then if a woman says, do I look fat in this? Okay? All in that one question, it's this, I'm feeling fat and unattractive, so tell me I look great, that I'm beautiful, and you have no eyes for any other woman. Right? Here's what a man would say. If a man says, don't worry, I'm fine, men, what's the translation? Don't worry, I'm fine. <laughs> right? If a man says, whatever's good, whatever's fine, here's the translation. Really, I'm good with doing whatever you want. I don't have an opinion in this matter. If a man says, don't worry, I'll take care of it, a man means... Don't worry, I'll take care of it. And then, somehow this happens. But when a man says, you're in the middle of joking, I'm kidding. What a girl hears, what a woman hears, is there's a little truth in every joke, right? But what the man actually meant was, I'm kidding, right? We don't mean everything we say. Sometimes we stick our foot in our mouth. But here's the thing. Men and women are different, right? Yeah. That's a good praise the Lord. In my house, I lead. I'm a part of the structure of our home and our kids and all the big decisions, right? But I'm not kidding anybody. And in your house, probably the way it is too, whether it's your wife or your mom, right? Heather makes 95% of the daily decisions in my house, right? I get home from work and it's really like, ah, I'm good with whatever, right? But... Men and women are designed different by God on purpose, right? And so I'm like, really? God, the, the mystery of a woman's mind was on purpose? Really? Thank you for that. Thanks a lot. When Heather and I first met, I was attracted to her because she was, first, she was beautiful. And she still is. But she was a leader, Okay, she was an RA my freshman year. She was a sophomore. She's a year older than me. Um, and she was well-known in our school. She loved Jesus. She was like the perfect combination of what I was looking for in a woman, right? But problem was, my freshman year, she wanted absolutely nothing to do with me, right? I was thinking freshman. I ain't dating a freshman. Later on, I realized she was extremely attracted to me and uh, just was playing me a little bit, you know? So... But I asked her at least six times my freshman year to go, I mean like to coffee, to ice cream, to nursing home, to sing to old people. I don't know. She teases me about I really did that. I was set up, but I really did that. Um, and so uh, at our, our sophomore year, I got to school. I had written her every single day. That, that summer, between my freshman year and my sophomore year, I wrote her every single day. And sometimes it was an email that said, I got up, I went to the bathroom, I went to work, and I went to sleep, right? And she's like, you are, you're such a dork. All I wanted was a response, right? I got like one a month for the whole summer. But we got back 
uh, my sophomore year, and uh, I just would not let her go. I would not leave her alone. Finally, she came to her senses. We dated for a year. We were engaged for nine months, and then we got married. But when we first started dating especially, she was a leader, right? She's strong-willed. She's driven, and she knows what she wants, right? Me, on the other hand, I was shy, I was passive, and I did not take much initiative at all, right? But here's the point. From now to then, God has used number one in my life, my wife, to change me and to shape me into who God wants me to be and who God wants to use now. Heather was the perfect person for me to be married to because... God used her to shape me into the me that God wanted me to be. And he used me in very similar ways in her life. Heather and I have a mutual friend who um, we had in college. And he's single. Not for lack of wanting or desiring to be married. But remember that God's plans don't always match up with our plans, right? He's a good-looking guy. He loves Jesus. We don't know why except just that God's plans are different. But one thing that has been true in this guy's life, right? However discouraging his relationship life has been is that he always came back to a pursuit of Jesus. He pursued Jesus. He pursued Jesus. Now, his spiritual life and the vitality of his spiritual life has not always been awesome, He's had some traumatic things happen in his life, and he's questioned God, and he's asked God, why? Like, why are these things happening in my life? But in the end, he's always come back to a pursuit of Jesus. And here's the truth about a pursuit of Jesus. It doesn't always look pretty, right? It's not always the way we feel like it should be. We're not always going to feel in love with Jesus. Like, I don't always feel in love with my wife, right? But I'm committed to her. And I want to stay committed to her. And it's a hard thing, but we pursue, we pursue, we pursue. So he's pursued Jesus. I have another friend who, and this was interesting. It's a friend from, not from around here, but um, a while back, we were talking on the phone and I was counseling him with some struggles he was having in his marriage. They were not communicating well. They were not spending time together. They were fighting about almost everything. And... um, it was interesting because I was preparing for this message, trying to, trying to think of you know, things that, that, that have happened in my life that fit. And he texted me yesterday, right? Every time I go home, um, they seem to be doing a little better. But he texted me yesterday and just said, hey, dude, I need you to pray for me because uh, we're just not doing good again. And so this just, just rehashed what happened the first time I tried to counsel him. And I proceeded to, he said to me, Nick, I, I don't know how... I can keep doing this. I don't want to keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. So I proceeded to give him what I thought was helpful advice, including the advice that I gave my buddy um, a few weeks ago. Are you giving 50% in your marriage or are you giving 100% of your marriage? And if you're giving 100% into your marriage, hopefully she's doing the same thing. But he just stopped me and he said, no, Nick, I'm not happy. I can't keep going. I'm not happy, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. This is not what I thought it would be, right? And so I just said to him, dude, maybe your focus is wrong, right? Maybe your marriage is not about your happiness. 
Maybe your marriage needs to be about oneness. Your marriage is not about happiness. Your marriage needs to be about oneness. So you may be here in the room today and you might be happily married, right? Your marriage is great. You may be here in the room today and you're unhappily married. There's pain involved in your marriage. You may be here today and you're divorced and you're not remarried or you're divorced and you're remarried and there's pain in the past and you're happy now or you're not happy now. You might be single and you might want to get married and you're having a hard time with that. You might be single and just think, I'm never going to get married. Marriage is not for me. I'm content the way I am. The point is, wherever you are this morning, the goal is the same. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. So take this down. Take this phrase down. I don't care if you remember anything else. Just remember this. Write it down, okay? Text it to your spouse, yourself, whatever you want, okay? So here it is. Oneness is the goal, so pursue the one who makes you one, okay? We'll unpack that a little bit. Oneness is the goal, so pursue the one who makes you one. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Oneness is the goal, so pursue the one who makes you one. Genesis 2, 18, it'll be on the screen, says this, Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave name to all the livestock and of the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not uh, found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man, and the man said, whoa, man, no, I'm just kidding, he didn't say that. He said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we see here, for the first time, God said about his creation that something was not good, right? Because he had, he had created all the animals, all the plants, the seed, light, everything, that was, but, and, and, and he looked back on the seventh day. Remember the seventh day of rest was so that he could look back and see all the good things that he had done, right? He looked back and said, it's all good, except one thing. The one thing that was not good was that there was not a helper found for man, right? Why was that not good? Because Adam needed a helper to help him fulfill the role that God had given him. And what was that role? To ultimately bring what to God? Glory. Right. The role was to have dominion over creation, name the animals, work the ground, walk with God, and ultimately give God pleasure. So we know that 
men and women are different. But this is the part of God's design that he put a man and a woman together on purpose with all of their differences, right? So that their union would be able to better accomplish God's purposes for them than apart, right? Some cultures, including church cultures, have taken male leadership, male headship, all of that in two extreme directions, okay? Uh, Some cultures say that in every way, women are subservient to men, okay? In every way. They serve them in every way. They They cover their heads. They cannot be seen. They serve men, and that's it. That's why you exist, right? In other cultures, feminist movements say that women are not only equal to men, but they're better than men, and that they can do everything that men can do, and it's all equal, right? But we look at this, and we've got to see that neither of those are right. Let's look at that word for helper. I think this is so cool, all right? Women, listen up, because you're going to love this. The Hebrew word for helper that is used in Genesis chapter 2 is the Hebrew word ezer, right? That means, okay, it comes from two root words meaning to rescue slash save and strength, right? So the helper, the easer, was to rescue with strength or to save with strength. All the women are like, "Mm mm-hmm, I like that, right? Look at this, Exodus 18.4 uses There's several passages in the Old Testament that use the same word used here for the creation of Eve as Adam's helper, Ezer, and they use it the same way for God to his people. This is pretty cool. Exodus 18.4 says, God is Ezer, helper. Deuteronomy 33.7 says, Moses prayed God would be an Ezer for Judah, a helper to rescue with strength. 1 Samuel 7:12 says Samuel na- says that Samuel named a monument stone and called it an Ebenezer saying thus far the Lord has helped us. Psalm 46:1 God is our refuge and strength a very present easer in trouble a very present help in trouble. So I think I even think in the church I even think for myself that, I mean, it's so easy to fall into the everyday, I work, she stays at home, the house is clean or not clean when I get home, and I've got a choice, right? How am I going to react when I get home? Oftentimes on my way home, I pray, Lord, help me to enter whatever my home is when I get there, right? Because I have no idea, and that allows me to allow my wife to not be perfect, right? But I also think that I need to reapproach how I think about my marriage sometimes, right? The Heather, is, the Heather doesn't just exist to serve me, right? I have to lead her and I'm responsible for that, but she doesn't just exist to serve me, right? We've gotta be a team. And I know that most of the problems stem from me anyway, so 
We're not perfect, right? We got to be drawing each other closer to Christ. Now, if we look in Scripture, God does set up leadership in the family. The Bible's clear that the man is ultimately responsible for the provision, the protection, and the spiritual well-being of the family. If those things are falling apart, it's on a man, right? But the living out of that within a marriage, I think, needs to look different. I think it's more like not a dictatorship, but there's a captain of the team. Right? And oftentimes that captain just needs to lean on the team a little more. I think that marriage is the best possible relationship that we have as an example of Christ in the church. Right? Remember this. If one, oneness is the goal, so pursue him, Jesus. Pursue him who makes you one. If you're married, if you're not married, this is for you. All right? This is not just a passage that talks, that's talking about marriage. In every single pursuit, in every single relationship that you have, in every single area of your life, our first and most important priority needs to be pursuit of oneness with our Savior. Pursuit of oneness with our Savior. Christ came to earth seeking a bride, right? We always say Christ was born to die, but it's so much more than that. Christ came to earth seeking a bride that he could then take as beautiful. I remember yesterday, I said to Dickie, I said, dude, here's the thing. It's not about you. Nobody cares about you, right? Everybody stands up for the bride, okay? That's the, that's the part of the ceremony when you're like, everybody rise, and they're waiting for the bride because the bride is beautiful. The bride is the thing to come and see, right? Because she's in the most beauty she's ever been in. And I love that. Christ came to earth to seek a bride to present to his Father in heaven as perfect and beautiful and clean. The first marriage here between Adam and Eve, it's a perfect picture of Christ. See, Adam slept and Eve was taken out of him being called flesh of my flesh. Right? Jesus poured out his blood he slept for three days, rising to life again so that we who are dead in our sins could rise to life becoming what? One with Jesus. Oneness is the goal, so pursue him that makes you one. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's his bride. And gave himself up for her. Tim's going to come back up, and uh, we're going to sing a song shortly that um, makes that comparison between the fact that when I look at my wife, I see my bride. When Jesus looks at me, he sees his bride, right? My bride's the most beautiful thing in my life. Jesus' bride is the most beautiful thing that he has. If you're married happily or unhappily, single, divorced, happy, or in pain in your relationship, what's the answer? It starts here. Pursue Christ. Pursue Christ. If you're doing well in your marriage relationship, 
or in a relationship, pursue Christ. You pursue Christ. If you're hurting, if you're not doing well, if you're suffering in that marriage, you pursue Christ. You can do all the things that you think you're supposed to do to fix that. You pursue Christ. If you're single and don't see hope for a new relationship, but you want one, you're suffering there, you pursue Christ. If you're single and you're content to be, because the Bible acknowledges that not everyone's going to marry, right? And Paul says in the New Testament, if you're not going to marry, let that be for the purpose of pursuing Christ, right? Because sometimes... Admittedly, sometimes I worry more about my marriage than I worry about my relationship with Jesus. And no matter how good our marriages are, it can get in the way of my relationship with Jesus. So the best possible way to have a good relationship is that you pursue Christ. It's like that. You give 50% or 100%. No matter what your spouse does, you pursue Christ. God's intention for marriage was ultimately a design to bring him even more glory, right? I don't know what God has for every single person in the room, except that in our relationships, especially marriage relationships, the purpose of that relationship is ultimately to pursue oneness, to picture a pursuit of oneness with Jesus. So, since oneness is the goal, wherever you are in your relationship status, you pursue the one that makes you one. Let's pray and then we're going to take communion. There's two stations in the front and there's one in the back. It starts here. Pursue Christ. God, we, we love you. We're thankful that Jesus came to earth to die. We're, thank you that, we're thankful that through that death, he bought and purchased a bride that he makes clean, that he makes beautiful. And that we, you can say, we are now flesh of your flesh, bone of your bones. That we are one with Jesus, made clean, made perfect, presented to your Father in heaven. So God, I pray that just as we remember Jesus, that it would spur us on to pursue Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. to be my help, to rescue me. In a moment, we're going to sing another song. We're going to end 
And if you're here this morning and you need prayer and you just need somebody to sit down and pray with, or if you need to go into a, a different place, a separate place to be private, we have our prayer room back here, um, just out the back of this room and over. Um, but there's also people there that can pray with you. Okay, you gotta be humble enough to share with them, but they can pray with you and they can listen to you and they can um, just go before God with you and share truth with you. So do that. Also during our last song, we're gonna take off our offering, just a chance for us to give back. But here's your challenge for this morning. We could either make it about the relationship, right? But if you make it about the relationship, it'll just be about the relationship and I can guarantee you that's not the best way to have a better relationship. So don't make it about the relationship this week. Make it about Jesus. Make it about oneness with your Savior. So wherever you are, okay, in the struggles, in the fights, whatever your status is, make it about Jesus. You pursue Christ, okay? So let's all sing this last song together and be sent out and worship our King.